when does grief, a bad situation, a something that we didn't ask for, something we weren't did invite, turn into a grievance? Because at some point, it's it's absolutely understandable if there's a loss in your life, or if, you know you get hit by a drunk driver, or you know something something terrible happens that you should have to suffer. You have to go through whatever that incidence was. But not everyone internalizes that into a grievance that they hold on for years. So there's something in between the grief and a grievance. And that's really interesting to me is why do we do that? And so a lot of this work is about what are the grievances that we're holding and how can we let them go? Because ultimately we are tortured when we hold those grievances. Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, how to build a better life podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you deserve to live, the life that you want to live. And this podcast is something of a journey for me. It's chronicling my journey towards peace of mind if such a place and such a state were ever possible. And of course, I'm honored that you would make it a part of your journey. And we all know that a part of that journey is contacting and communicating and conversing with others. So With that said, this is part one of my conversation with my good friend, Luke Bouchard. Luke has worked for many, many years in the the art of message crafting, branding, storytelling, marketing, but he has since switched gears a little bit. He's moved into what he calls his life's work. That is a deeper understanding of A Course of Miracles, the spiritual text, and helping others to pursue this idea of forgiveness. So we came to this discussion with forgiveness on our minds. What does it mean? What prevents us from doing it? And what is the ultimate? um, What do we hope to gain from practicing forgiveness? Well, I think a discussion of forgiveness necessarily begins here with the ego and with the self and the way in which we hold on to those grievances that have been done to us and we internalize that suffering and we in fact exaggerate and multiply our own suffering uh, by refusing to forgive. As well, the ego is very, very good, as you'll discover in this discussion. Um, The ego is very good at making us hold on to those things, as well as the need to control all that we see around us and, of course, control the things that we, we have no business trying to control. Either way, when we live in that egotistical way, we no doubt reduce our quality of life and we surrender our peace of mind. We surrender our centeredness to external influence. So, Very shortly in that episode, you will hear ways in which Luke suggests that you can come back to center, you know, to regain your peace of mind. What are some things that we can do to learn to let go, to learn to surrender, to learn to trust? Ultimately, forgiveness is the path to peace of mind. It's the path to inner peace. And we need to let go of these conceptions of, well, those who have trespassed against me should have known better. Um, And even if they did or whether they did or they didn't, Why do you build a prison from these actions taken against you? This is a discussion about forgiveness. It's about learning to let go. And I really hope that you'll enjoy it and find it productive. I had a blast talking with Luke. This is part one of our conversation. Part two will be out next week. Most importantly, I hope you find the exercises that Luke suggests herein and these ideas of learning to surrender control, not get stuck in these egotistical ways of thinking about the world and trusting and allowing the universe to flow through you could be heady stuff it's stuff that i wouldn't have been talking about a year ago but it's stuff that i really really have taken to and enjoy speaking about so with that said please enjoy this one part one of my conversation with my friend luke bouchard 
Okay. Well, Luke Bouchard, my friend, thank you for coming on the show. Happy New Year to you. Looking forward to, uh, I've been looking forward to this and looking forward to catching up. Me too. So I know you're a guy that loves a good elevator pitch. So would you maybe just for the listener, the viewer, what is kind of, how do you, how do you see yourself these days? What is it you're providing to the world at large or, or what are you pursuing for yourself? Well, um, I, um, I've, I've been really called to follow my spiritual path, which is uh, A Course in Miracles. Mm. And it's uh, something that I've been studying for seven, eight years. Mm. And uh, A Course in Miracles is not a religion. It's not meant to be anything that uh, uh, turns into any kind of religious state. It's a self-study. And mm. uh, the basic premise of A Course in Miracles is that uh, until we learn to forgive others and ourselves, mm. specifically ourselves, we're tortured. Hmm. And we we live in pain and suffering. So, pardon me. You'll you'll edit this out. I'm sure, sure but okay, yeah. um. So I with that I um uh, a year and a half ago I was inspired to create uh, these things called forgiveness declarations cards. You can see them mm-hmm. behind me. And uh, they are really an L- a, um, a process to help people uh, find out what their blocks are to forgiving others. And if you have, uh, as I often say, we, uh, we will have people live rent-free in our heads. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're unresolved with them. We either hold grievances or, mm. you know, resentments and anger. And uh, when we're angry at other people, they're not being harmed. We're only being harmed. Right, right. It's that is that classic saying from whoever about what is it, drinking poison and wishing the other person would exactly. would be poisoned. Yeah. Was it was it something? Was it a revelation for you? Well, I guess I, I was curious actually. When we first met, I didn't know you as a religious or spiritual person, but have you been for a long time uh, following a course of miracles? Yeah, like I said, about seven eight years. Okay. It uh, it was a progression of my uh, my spiritual path. I was before that I was really into law of attraction, mm. and then I found that that kind of uh, that ran its course. And then I was introduced to a course of miracles, mm. which is uh, came out. It was written in the seventies, so it's right. certainly it's kind of interesting to be older than the uh, <laughs> the text when it came out. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's simply it's a spiritual path. Uh, Course, Course of Miracles says that there's not only one path. Mm. It is it is a path for some people. There are other paths for people to take. It's, right. It doesn't claim for a second that it has pri- pri- proprietary rights to peace or happiness or our path to God. It's just mm. one of many. And if we look at enough uh, spiritual paths or religions, we see that they all really at some level say the same thing. They all come back to the same thing. And that is, you know, really about, you know, trying to see the best in other people. Hmm. And that's a, that's a very simple summation. Sure. I think that's right. No, please. Yeah. Yeah. But how, how the, how the cards actually came about was uh, interesting because I was in my uh, Course in Miracles community on a zoom call on June or August 15th, 2021. We're in 23 now. I have to Mm -hmm. make sure now we're in the new year. (laughs) And somebody asked the facilitator, how do you forgive someone who's clearly an asshole? <laughs> how do you forgive someone who's who has no problem with their behaviors, Right. even know that they're probably not great behaviors, and how do you forgive them? And what the facilitator said was, 
well, you have to forgive yourself for believing that they've done anything to you in the first place. And it was just like, wow. forgive myself for believing, forgive myself for believing. And this was a, it, this is a thought that I really, it, 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 it took hold and it really, uh, wouldn't leave me alone. It mm. would not let go of this call. I forgive myself for believing mm. and how I finally, um, did the math on it or figured it out is let's say you and I, Patrick, are we're in line to go into a movie. Mm. We're we're holding our tickets in hand. Mm. Like there's no question we're getting in. We're just waiting to get into the theater. And the theater holds 500 people and we're um 150 in. Mm -hmm. It's there's no doubt we're getting in. Mm -hmm. And so up ahead, somebody cuts in front of us. Clearly, they cut in mm -hmm. because of the reaction around people. And you look at it and go, well, that's kind of ballsy. I don't know if I'd ever do that. And I look at it and I'm pissed off. Mm -hmm. And I take great objection to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm annoyed. And I, I'm making comments. And you finally look at me and go, Luke, what like let it go. You're getting this is getting in the way of our of our connecting and, and having a good time. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had the exact same stimulus. We've had the exact same circumstance. Why exactly are you looking at it and letting it go and I'm not? Well, I've internalized it that somehow I've been harmed. Mm -hmm. Somehow I have uh, something's happened to me in this in this person cutting front of the line, but nothing has happened. So that's where the idea of I forgive myself for believing. I forgive myself for believing that this guy has done anything to me. I forgive myself for believing that he's an asshole. And and the heart of the question is is when do when does grief a bad situation a something that we didn't ask for something we weren't did invite mm -hmm. turn into a grievance mm. because at some point it's it's absolutely understandable if there's a loss in your life or if, you know you get hit by a drunk driver or you know something something terrible happens that you should have to suffer that you suffered you have to do you have to go through whatever that incidence was mm -hmm. But not everyone internalizes that into a grievance that they hold on for years. So there's something in between the wow. grief and a grievance that we've made, we've, we've internalized to basically think that we've been harmed. Right. And that's really interesting to me is why do we do that? How, co how come we, we do that? And so a lot of this work is about what are those grievances that we're holding mm. and how can we let them go? Because ultimately we are tortured when we hold those grievances. Absolutely. It's, it's something to do with our ego gets in the way, right? We, it's now. have you found that that's the case? It's like that sense of self that me is this isolated, uh, island, so to speak is, is what is aggrieved. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and, and I, I don't really, you know, I'm, I, I, don't want to go like I don't mind going to theory course miracles, but that's not what this is about. Is I'm not trying to convert anyone on that, sure. so I will speak to that slightly or to a certain degree, and that is uh, all of all of our suffering, all of our perception of suffering comes from the the belief that we have lost something, and that is based on the ego, who is the not your ego, not my ego, mm -hmm. the ego. It is it is a collective ego mm. that um, is trying to maintain control, trying to predict the future, trying to keep us safe, and and it is the ego that basically tells us when people have harmed us or when they've done things, and you know if a guy cuts me off in traffic 
which I used to get really pissed off at, you know, why am I thinking that that guy actually thought he did anything to me? Right. Like, you know, for all I know, he's trying to make it to the hospital or for all I know, wherever he's going to, what he's rushing to is very important. Mm -hmm. But I have the choice to basically get pissed off and take objection and blame them. And it's all about it's your fault. It's your fault. You've harmed me as opposed to why, why, why am I losing my peace over this? That, that's ultimately the question is, right. why do I choose to give my peace over to this circumstance or person? And I think getting cut off in traffic, I use that example all the time when I'm talking on this show because we're, we're so isolated from each other, obviously. But I also think that when we're driving, we that's necessarily a stressful situation, right? You're, you're going fast in a heavy object, all that stuff. Not the greatest posture, drinking coffee, right. you know, all these <laughs> listening to yeah. God knows what yeah. on the radio. Checking out your uh, your texts if you sure. if you're doing that yeah you know, looking being on your phone right and so what it what it comes to what comes to mind for me is that idea of being mindless or or not being mindful and especially driving is a great example so have you found that uh, have you found that peace of mind comes then from from being more centered and more mindful and being able to let things go such as getting cut off in traffic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a direct correlation for me that, um, so <sighs> peace of mind cannot be achieved when we judge. Mm -hmm. mm. It, it, it's a simple fact of determining that the other person is either, you know, less than, or, you know, you're either less than that person or you're better than that person. Mm. But ultimately we are projecting our beliefs as to how that person should be in life. Um, you know, there is no such thing as common sense. Common sense is only what you and I agree upon. Sure. And if we think people are doing things uh, that are not common sense, well, we're judging them. You know, and if we were in, if we were in another country in another part of the world, we would not know what the common sense is unless we're acclimatized to that, right? So, so it is, it is the act of judging others, and you know, judgment is the is the oxygen of the ego. Hmm. Judgment is basically mm. what keeps us uh, separated because it is my judgment of you or anyone that I find to be less than me. Is really it's really about being less than me. Somehow I'm better than that person. Right. That causes causes us to lose our pain, our, our uh, center, and our peace of mind. Mm. It, it is not our place to judge anyone because how do I know exactly what that person has gone through? They may have shown up to be, that's the best day there in their lives. And it may look <laughs> God awful to me, sure. but that may be the best day in their lives. And, and I, I think there's a very selfish reason why we shouldn't judge others. And that is because who wants to be judged themselves? Right. And that's what, that's all that arises from judgment, right? Is yeah. Is more judgment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, judgment begets judgment, which begets judgment, which is, which is a a process of uh, really, uh, when we judge others, <clears throat> we see them as separate, and we believe that we have nothing in common with that. Uh, if we just look at all the conflict, well, I, I don't know how many Americans you have on your on your platform. But if we just look at what's happening in the United States with Republican and Democrats, right. there is nothing but judgment. And I used to I used to watch a lot of stuff that was in favor of the Democrats. Mm. 
until I realized that they're as bad as the Republicans for basically thinking that they're better, thinking that they know better, mm -hmm. thinking that they are more humane and better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just it, it's just a free for all of being able to keep ourselves uh, separated from others and thinking that we're better than other people, which I mean, is right, which is the furthest from the truth. I think that's the key what you just said and i'm trying to work on that idea on this show it's like it's my ego that has me believing that i'm anything that i'm somehow apart like me and you are actually the same thing right like we're all like if you want to be a real hippie it's like we're all made up of the same materials that make the right. stars and it's our ego that has us uh spreading or splitting apart i found peace of mind comes when i just a accept that the universe is happening completely out of my control and i'm just flowing with it and that I, I can't, I can control some small thing, but I am a part of something much greater. That, that, um, statement that you just made, that you just made about not being able to control the universe is really a statement of vulnerability. Mm. Mm. It's a, it's a statement of, I have no control and I am, I'm prepared to release and see whatever, whatever's. Right. whatever is coming my way. I, um, um, in November, I hit a curb with my, uh, my hybrid mm -hmm. and, uh, I was in two weeks of not knowing how much this was going to cost me. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that had a lot of fear and anxiety in those two weeks about not really knowing what this, because it's an import and it's a hybrid and I hit the curb just right. And it, it took week, two weeks before, because that was back in November when we had all that snow and sure. a, a tow truck was 55 hours before the, the I would even get it there and and the dealership wouldn't look at it for two weeks wow. so I was in this free-for-all for for two weeks of not knowing what is going to cost and not knowing where the resources were to pay for it and in that time I was tortured because I was my ego was running amok I was in a lot of fear I was in a lot of anxiety and for whatever reason I I resigned myself to the fact that it's going to be okay. I don't know how, how it's going to happen. And when I finally got the bill or when I finally was told what the estimate to fi fix it was, it was $4,500. And there's a bit of a sticker shock with that because it's like, oh my God. And so it's like, okay, well, let me see. Let me see how I'm going to pay for this. Right. And I, I went through all my resources. I went through my, I, I saw I have this much money on my credit card. I have this much in this much money cash I can actually ask, access. And I, I'm going to use up all my resources when I have no idea when any more money's coming in, going into Christmas. Yikes. That was not a fun time. <laughs> but there's a part of me that resigned myself to it that it was going to be okay. Not having my car fixed was worse than having it there. I couldn't I couldn't even sell if I wanted to because I was going to take quite a hit on it. Mm -hmm. And so I I found a way to resign myself to the fact that this is what it is and it will be okay. And I approved them to fix on it. And I'm telling a friend. And my friend says, are you sure the insurance company won't pay for that? And I said, well, no, I hit a curb. I, I, I was totally at fault. I, I don't see why they pay for it. She goes, well, you might want to check. And sure enough, it was it was an insurance claim that and it was my freebie. And oh. all I had to pay was five hundred dollars deductible. Oh. And it was just and it was just absolutely remarkable because it was like it never considered it. Oh. And and the the thing that was even more 
remarkable to me was the fact that they're going to pay for it was that I had little investment in the outcome. It wasn't as if it was like, woohoo, I dodged a bullet. Oh my God, I'm so lucky. I'm so fortunate. It was like quite literally, it was like, oh, that's how that's going to be taken care of. Huh. And if I had listened to the ego yes. and gone into problem solving and gone really entrenched in, this is a big fucking hairy deal. This is a terrible thing. I'm going, I'm not going to be able to pay for Christmas presents for my kids. I'm not going to be able to afford my mortgage. I might lose. I have a, I have a 16 year old daughter that still lives with me 50% of the time. It would be incredibly embarrassing if I have to say to their mother, I can't afford to keep our daughter. There's a lot at stake. And yeah. when I released it and let it go and stopped listening to the noise. Now, that wasn't easy. I'm not saying for a second I, I turned it off. Right. It was two weeks of a lot of anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, I got to a point where I could just release and go. It. I don't know why, but it will be okay. And, and, and it is the more we try and control our circumstances, the more out of control we are. That's quite frankly, that's all that micromanaging is. Right. It's micromanaging is feeling like you need to actually control the field, the field being external to us. Everything external mm -hmm. is the field. And if we have to control everything in the world, then, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty stressful place. And that's all based on the ego. That's all based on the the ego telling us what it is going to be safe and the 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 ego has two jobs okay to not be out of work and to call attention to itself <laughs> and and if anyone who's if you've ever had this experience patrick or anyone's listening to this podcast of when you've decided just to wait and see mm -hmm. to release just to just to hand it over and not go i i'm going to trust it's going to be okay that's when the noise really picks up. That's when it can get really ugly because all those fear, whatever is unresolved for you in your life, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't have worries about health. I, I'm overweight, but I don't have worries about health. I have worries about money. Mm -hmm. I've always had worries about money. So that's what always comes up for me is my financial uh, solidarity, my, my ability, you know, and, and I, I, I was a stay home dad for five years and I've never really recovered from those five years, from that five-year hit to my to my career. Mm. It has been a, a process of reinventing myself, reinventing myself. And the forgiveness declaration cards, which is there, there we go, is really uh, another reinventing myself. But it has been a process of relax, releasing and just going, I, I don't know what the future is and I don't have to know and deepening into trust. And it has really been really, really a challenge at times. Well, it is the challenge now. So many places to go, but I do always want this show to come back to benefiting the listener in some way. So would you say, what, what would you say then as far, let's this idea of letting go, let's, let's, let's follow that. It's like, are there some small, like accepting that you're going to have to pay five grand to fix your car is that's a huge one. And that would take some right. work to get there. But do you have a sense of maybe like some small early steps toward learning to let go like that I could do today? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's an excellent question. And and it is, it's, um, your question is really rooted in the same concept of if I want to, um, you know, really get buff and really develop my muscles, you don't sure. go to the gym once. Right. 
it, it's a, it's a progress of many different things that you have to do. It's it's an evolution of of many steps to get mm -hmm. to that desired outcome, and being able to live in the moment and accept where you're at is no different from that. Mm -hmm. So it um, so some of the things that I I felt or some of the things I was doing to come back into my center were really doable and really simple. Okay. And they're not rocket science and they're actually not really even based on a spiritual practice. They're just based on, uh, I think good mental health practices. Mm -hmm. So the first one is being able to, uh, have rituals and routines that you go through every day that keep, bring you back to your center. And that could be as, sim as simple as something as, you know, you're having a workout routine where you've committed to yourself three to five days, three to five days a week. You're going to you're going to commit to that route, that routine. You're going to work out. You're going to do whatever that is. Yep. <clears throat> um, and that is a form of self-love. Hmm. When, when you when you are doing things to improve yourself to make yourself feel better and I don't care if it's having a bubble bath with scented candles <laughs> and and Epsom salts or if it's going for a walk or riding a bike or engaging in creativity whatever you brings you back to your center is very important and so those those routines and the rituals are something that kind of makes sense to the world because life will kick the shit out of you on a regular basis and how do you come back to your emotional center so that's the first thing is what is how intentional how purposeful are you living your life mm. on trying to actually come back to your center the next thing that i've done that has been very beneficial is actually writing out lists of appreciation and gratitude nice where i am actually grateful mm -hmm. for what is going well in our lives we have I'm pulling this number out of the air. I sure. don't know the actual number. <clears throat> On every given day, probably twenty to thirty thousand things go right in that day. Yeah. Woke up to the heat on. The house hasn't the house hasn't burnt down. Right. Uh, the car is still drivable. There is uh, the days are getting longer as opposed to shorter. Sure. Where uh, you know I um, uh, there's food in the fridge. There's uh, there's there's meaning and purpose in our life. Whatever there are there are more things going right than wrong. Mm -hmm. And when we focus on the two or three things that we perceive to be wrong, then we're tortured and we're suffered. Right. So. So there have been times, and I'm talking the last six months, where where I've been, I've woken up in a dark place because I've been in a lot of fear. Like this is, we're talking before the car hit the curb, sure, because I've done a lot of personal work on that and come quite far. But there was times when I'd write, I'd wake up in the morning where I was not seeing a very like the day looked pretty dark, hmm. like it was not. I wasn't looking forward to it, okay. and all I could write out is, "I'm so grateful I have electricity to run the furnace." I am so grateful that I have my two children. I am so grateful that I have an outstanding relationship with my ex-wife. Mm. I am so grateful I have friends in my life. I'm so grateful I have access to talent such as Patrick. I kid you not. Sure. These are all the things that, because, you know, your audience may not know that we work together mm -hmm. and we, uh, you are my, you know, not that I'm shooting a lot of video content these days, but you are my go-to videographer and we almost did something in the fall. We got close. <laughs> We got very close, very That's close. Okay. We'll, we'll get there again, I'm sure. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. So, so appreciation, writing out appreciation is what, what does that really afford you? What does that give you? It brings you into the present. 
all of our angst, worry, and suffering comes from viewing the past and projecting into the future. Amen. When we see, when we have guilt and shame about things that, we, that we've done in the past that we haven't forgiven ourselves for, then we tend to project that into the future. And, and uh, I, have a friend here who, I have a friend who has a great state, statement of saying is that we often will borrow trouble. <laughs> you know, because nice. we we haven't, you know, we expect these negative outcomes, and so so writing out appreciation and gratitude is really a way of being able to come back into my center and come into the moment right here, right now, and that has that is that is one tactic that is one strategy I use on a regular basis. Other times I've um, and I highly recommend this, and if any of your I'm not sure if you, I, I'd be happy if people want to contact me because this is my life's work. Sure. But one of the other things that I found to be really beneficial is when something's really got a hold on me that I can't see positive on that, I actually, I, I've, I employ a technique called writing out my all my dark thoughts and I share, I save nothing. It, it's, it's, I, I, I leave out nothing and I literally write down all the fears that I have around that. And when you write something out on a piece of paper, you have this ability to look at it like the 10,000 foot view or 50,000 feet view from when you're flying. Mm -hmm. You see everything very different when you're at that high level. You, you can see, you can see rivers, you can see, you can see mountain ranges. If you're high enough up, you can see the curvature of the earth. <laughs> And so with that, when you're able to write all your dark thoughts out and write out all the things, all the stuff that torture us, it, it's, it gives us the ability to see things differently. It gives us some distance from it, from being here right. to being here and over here. So all of this is, all, is predicated on one, one thing only. Drop my pen here. All this is predicated on one thing. And that is a desire to not be, to not suffer. It's a desire to be, to not be, to not have, to have peace of mind, a desire to actually want things different. And, and if you believe this is your lot in life, mm -hmm. then it's your lot in life. Exactly right. Right. We are not meant to suffer. We are not meant to be in pain. Uh, this is not a popular view with many people, especially since we live in in a world of, you know, we're all victims and we're all victims to circumstances. You know, it's never our fault. It's always somebody else's fault that does stuff to us. And and that is that is a lack of responsibility of what's going on in your life. Hmm. You said something pretty interesting. Let's just recap that as, if someone wanted to get started today on improving their life, it sounds like grab a pen and a notebook and just start a, what are you grateful for? But B also those big, scary monsters of, of the dark thoughts, get those out too. That's interesting. That's, right. Right. But, but you, the other thing I've been saying on this show is that the self-development only works if you're brutally honest and brutally frank with yourself. And you said as much as like, you can't hold back if you're going to be doing this. Right. Right. Well, one of the things that I I really like about your your what you're doing in your show and your podcast is is ultimately it's about coming back to taking responsibility for your life. Yeah, and yeah. and if if there's a common thread that goes through of it is is that it's and and we've had enough conversations where 
this is something that you've come by honestly this is something this is not this is not something you're just a theory you're sponging or you're you're professing this <laughs> sure. is actually something you've gone through in the last several years of your life where it's like how do you want to show up how do you want to be what kind of man do i want to be what right. kind of how, how do i want to be in life and whatnot mm -hmm. and with that came a realization that it's up to me uh, was it you yeah. that told me no one's going to save me? Was that was that you or somebody else about? I think that was the key re realization I had maybe five or six years ago. Yeah, and that all stemmed from that. So thank you yeah. for saying that. But yeah, yeah. So what what was your? I'm going to change turn the tables sure, here sure. now. And 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 I'm curious as to what was what was that? Was there a defining moment, Patrick, when you decided that this has, it can look differently or doesn't need to be this way? Yeah. And I, I asked my guests that too. And I asked myself that if, if there was a defining moment and I still cannot place it and I can't even place why I thought that I could, you know, I, I don't know. I smoked a lot of pot for when I, in my younger years and that does have a lot of consequences, but it expands your mind into, you can see possibilities yeah, that could be it. I don't know. I have a penchant for writing and language. So I kind of was always writing my life. Maybe right. that opened some doors. I don't know. I have some. Uh, perhaps you're a deep thinker who really wants to look at things and in, in the background and kind of understand things. I, I would think that. There was something to do with maybe some childhood issues where I didn't have control over myself and my autonomy and my body. That right. maybe, maybe what's come now through in my adult life is this obsession with, it is an obsession with control. And we already talked about how that can be potentially toxic, but it's, it's, it's the ability to have autonomy back and to say like, that's why I'm a freelancer. That's why I work from home. That's why I do only what I want to do for the most part. Uh, it's, it's belief that there's, that I need to have. Yeah. It is that ownership, I guess, of self and, and right. You know, I could never do a nine to five job. And I dabbled in it a bit the last few years um, at a certain news broadcasting agency who were very good to me, but it was nine to five and it killed me. Right. You know? Right. So I guess what I, what I come back to is the same thing you did is I encourage people who, if they believe better is possible to think about why is that the case, you know? Obviously do the work that we've been talking about, but really probe because I don't know the answer. Why do we believe that, that better is possible? It stumps me. Let me just think about that for a second. Sure. Um, why do we believe better is possible? I... So... One of one of the uh, the other hats I wear is, and I, you know, you know, I'm not I'm telling this for the audience, not for you, because you know this, Patrick. But is is uh, marketing specifically with um, when it comes to uh, how to actually position yourself in the market as a as an expert, or right. how to actually bring uh, your services forward to the world, so they're gonna so you distinguish yourself from everyone else. Mm -hmm. And the pinnacle of a of a, um, uh, a pinnacle of a message of the ideally, I think what we're always looking as a marketing message is to call people to a higher purpose, mm. call them out of themselves, call them to saying, "Hey, we're all in this together. We can do this better. 
I, I think that uh, the Obama, uh, Barack Obama's message about yes, we can was at the heart of that. Yes, we can do better. Yes, we can do that. And so I think that speaks to the potential that we see. I think that's that calls us to out of our mundane experience and wanting better things. And I and I I, I know many people who have gone into a depression when they just do not feel like there's any meaning and purpose in their life, do not feel like there's any going to be any outcome. If if it's the same old, same old, that's soul killing. Mm. So I, I, I do believe that there's this need to actually aspire to greater things. Mm. There's a, Yes, there is. And I talked about this yesterday on a different episode where it was just me. There, there seems to be a human, it's like a genetic trait that humans have to aspire to like there must be something there must be something now so it's like atheists for instance would say there's not but atheists still aspire to a better life in in many cases i'm sure right so it's some maybe maybe i'll just throw up my hands and say we can't put our finger on it but we can all sort of work on it in our own way as far as why what's the alternative what's what's the the alternative the, 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 right. yeah, hell, the, the hell alternative is basically, you know, get as many toys as you can, succeed right. as much as you can, right. um, be, you know, die at the top of the game, right. the one who has the most toys, you know, and, and we, I, of, of the people I know that do palliative care or work with people who are mm. transitioning out of life and when people are in their deathbed, mm-hmm. they're not talking about... They're not talking about what they've accumulated. They're not talking about how much money they have. They're talking about their meaning and purpose of their life. They're talking about the connections they've had and what's unresolved for them within that. So I think it speaks to the fact is that we're not meant to be living a solitary life. We're not meant to be on our own. We're, we're, we are, we're here. We are meant to make the world a better place. Yeah, that seems to be it. And, why why the human animal is so different than every other animal in that way i don't know there's some conspiracy theories about we have some kind of alien <laughs> genetics in us or whatever right. but there is something deeply human about wanting to leave a legacy but also wanting to create and create with others uh, something that'll stand the test of time well hence your your podcast right you know this is this is about trying to you know, we're not trying, but making the world a better place, leaving, leaving it off better because I know you're profiting a lot from these podcasts. You make a shitload of money off of them. Oh, yeah. And- yeah. I'm loaded, <laughs> Luke. Look at this. Look at this room. <laughs> I, I see that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're doing this from the villa in the South of France. Right, and whatnot. right, right, right. Right. I know we had to so, work out the time zone there, but yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that this is, this is, this is about something bigger and greater for you. That is, that is not about some sort of financial gain or, or you know, th- this is answering a different question for you. Absolutely. But it's interesting you say we, we're talking, we humans have this desire to, to make the world a better place. But I wonder if that in some ways, and maybe it's semantics, but that in some way is an egotistical thing to say that you could make the external world better. But through podcasting, for instance, I'm making my world better. So then aren't I making the world better, even if it benefits me 99% only? Well, let's look at this. Let's ask this question. What is your, what is your indicator of success on your podcast? 
I think it's, am I, I mean, I, this, I'm into my third year now, so it's obviously it's enjoyable and it's enriching number one. Right. And now that I've, I'm properly marketing it, you know, properly marketing it, people are, are getting the message more. So that's, right. that's two, but it's, it is a personal thing first and foremost. I, I would suggest that if one person improve, had a positive impact on their lives, it would be worthwhile for you to doing it. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm not seeing that you want to have a massive splash where you're, you're, you know, you're, I don't think your desire is about basically having an audience of tens of millions, which I, I'm sure you would like, mm. but that's not, that's not your measure of success. Your measure of success is, has you, I would suggest is, have I eased the suffering? Have I helped someone navigate life better? Are they, are they able to, you know, are they lit up by the content? Right. And I hope that they are. And I can see that the listeners are out there. So there must be something that's going right. And I right. think it's, there's a certain humility in how I do it. Like, because you're forced to be honest in like, I'm going to turn on the microphone and speak what I think. It's like, well, how well do I even know what I think? Right. And <laughs> right. Well, I also know that this was not easy. Uh, well, I'll check out my assumption. I, I seem to have a memory because mm -hmm. we've known each other that predates COVID mm -hmm. that, th that this was out of your comfort zone doing this. I would say yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Big time. But it yeah. was, it was meeting guys like you guys yeah. who were, who were outgoing guys who, who could speak well, who, who built a brand around verbal communication that that struck me. It was like, well, that's a, an undeveloped side of me. So right. why not, why Absolutely. not put it to the, you know, hold my own feet to the fire, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And you, uh, you went down a path that was, uh, that really did, um, uh, that was, you had to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You had to, you, I, I, I'm reluctant to say this word, but you had to expose yourself to the audience and <laughs> <laughs> within in, reason. Yeah. Within reason. That's right. And, and you, uh, and you decided that it was, you were not going to allow your fear or your self judgment hold you back. Right. Right. And so I, I guess I would, I would then ask you is like all this work you've done on, on coaching people f to, to the marketing side, but also the forgiveness side and your own, your own forgiveness journey. It's like, why do we hold on to those limiting beliefs or that baggage where it's like, I could have easily said, well, I'm not a good speaker. I'll just continue right. life behind the camera. I won't, you know, why, right. why, why put countless hours into a podcast that no one listens to at first? Right. So it's like, why, why do we hold on to those limiting beliefs? Well, it's in, in one level, you're arguing for your limitations by saying you can't do it. Right. Um, another thing is I, I cannot help but think of Marianne Williamson's, who is a Course in Miracles student, mm -hmm. who had a passage um, that uh, Nelson Mandela used mm -hmm. in his inaugural speech when he, was the first, when he became president of South Africa. Mm -hmm. And everyone thought it was his, but it was actually Marianne Williamson's. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and the basic pass, passage of it, or the premise of it is, who are you to play small? Who are, who are you to not step into your magnificence? Right. Like It's almost like, how dare you? be show up in a way that's not befitting of you and it's not it's not our it's 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 not our what was that it's our it's our it's our fear of our of our magnificence that holds us back not the Whoa. fear of failure and so so a large part of basically stepping into into our our unlimitedness our magnificence our creativity is being able to 
take whatever noise we have and go, I'm going to put it and put it over here as best you can. Mm -hmm. And yes, that noise, those negatives, those limiting beliefs, that imposter syndrome will come back here under stressful days, mm -hmm. but it's the ability to go, I'm not going to be controlled by that. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to forgiveness, um, well, first of all, we, we teach what we have to learn, oh, right? Nice. So, so part of, and, and once I, and somebody reminded me that it was just like, yeah, I guess I need to learn a lot about forgiveness because I teach forgiveness. <laughs> and, um, in the fall, I was asked by a psychologist to run a, um, a group with her on, um, on forgiveness and it was called, uh, moving past the past with forgiveness. Hmm. And so I had to start learning a lot about what is forgiveness and, and what does that really mean? Because there's there's a lot of noise out there in, in our society where we use the word forgiveness and it's just like, well, how, what is that? Why? What is that? And mm -hmm. why is it so hard? And the first thing I discovered in this process is that forgiveness suggests it's a done deal. It's a fait complete. Mm -hmm. I forgive this person. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I've never read the Bible, but somebody in the last three months has reminded me of this, that we need to forgive seven times 70. So it's an ongoing process. Okay. It's not something that we, we do in, initially. Mm -hmm. And the word that really helps me if I'm struggling with the word of forgiving someone, because there's a lot of people that live rent-free in my brain. I certainly do not have this figured out. I, I'm, I find there are people I'm troubled with mm -hmm. that I'm still working on. But if we go into, if we look at the word acceptance over forgiveness, mm. now I'm not talking about the fact that it was, you're so happy that this circumstance happened to you where a person abused you or, you know, or something or someone who's gone through some sort of physical or sexual abuse that they should be happy of it. Mm -hmm. But saying it shouldn't have happened doesn't really matter because it has happened. And the more we can get into accepting the fact that this went on, then we're no longer entrenched in the shouldn'ts. Mm. And so, so there are four levels to forgiveness. The first level of forgiveness is choosing to forgive because you don't have to. I'm not going to tell anyone they need to forgive. I am going to ask what the cost of them is to not forgiving. Like what's, what's the outcome of not forgiving. So, you know, if, if you are, uh, for, you know, it's holding resentments, Besides, you know, drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Another term I've heard is a resentment is like holding on to a hot coal and expecting the other person to get burnt. Like right. we're, it's just, we're affecting ourselves. So, right. so you don't, no one has to forgive, but there's a consequence of not forgiving. And that is the lack of peace of mind. So that's the first level. The second level is forgiving the other person. Hmm. And, and often people will say to me, you know, I have, I really believe I forgo I forgave this person, but I'm still really troubled by it. I can think it happened seven years ago. I I, I did a forgiveness reading with a woman, but just before Christmas, mm. and that's something I do, and I'm offering him complimentary uh, right now to because this is my life. This is my current life's work, and this woman had been out of a marriage for seven years, and she was it was still like it was yesterday. And she thought I'd forgiven the other person. I forgot. Mm. I forgave my ex-husband. I'm still not there. So the third level of forgiveness is forgiving ourselves. Mm. And this is what people, this is what people miss. And, and this comes down to this internalization of that some person that this person has done something. So back to standing in line, 
and and sure. thinking that that person cut in front of us and i'm still pissed off of that well maybe i'm not forgiving myself for not advocating myself for myself more maybe i'm i'm not forgiving myself for just sitting there and taking it it doesn't really matter it is something that we haven't forgiven we haven't forgiven ourselves for and until we do that it's that internalization and until we realize what that internalization is then we're still going to be holding on to those resentments. And the last level, which is really unpopular for people at times, is forgiving God. Because mm. what we'll hear is, how could a fair and just God allow this to happen? You know, why, why, would, they, why would they permit this to go if it's a fair and just God? So right. we believe that God should not allow these things to happen, which is a belief of many, many faiths. So those are the four steps to forgiveness that may take a lifetime, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, it, but it all starts with the desire. You, you need to believe that you should forgive, right? Well, that, that well, no, no, not even saying that. I'm just saying is it's, uh, oh, why am I allowing this to take my peace? <laughs> right. The four in the mornings, right? The four, the, you know, the, um, uh, the the um there was this great youtuber uh reeves was his name he did this not youtuber he did a ted talk okay. at the four in the morning mystery and he talks about all how there's so many things in popular culture that point to the four in the morning where we're up at four in the morning for whatever reason and and if you are tortured throughout the night mm -hmm. about something that's not resolved that keeps you up at night mm -hmm. Well, is that worth it? Is it worth it? And, and you have, again, you have to believe that you could do something about it. And I wonder if like refusing to forgive or refusing to accept is in some ways trying to exert, as I was saying about myself, was trying to exert control back over the situation. Like we, I'm not a psychologist, but I've talked to people regarding trauma and it's like you, something traumatic happens, you're stuck in that moment. And the, the self-medicating and the refusal to let it go is like in some ways trying to regain control over the situation and say, well, it didn't happen. Yeah. And I, I would just take that one step deeper in. And the, so when I, when I've talked to people about forgiving and, and their mindset with it, the, the thing that I hear on a regular basis is that um, they they believe forgiveness is synonymous with being uh being a uh doormat hmm. oh, sure and there's actually things in our culture that we hear about on a regular basis so one of those things is going to be um uh turn the other cheek which is in our popular culture about right. what we're supposed to do so that suggests you're just waiting to be smacked, smacked again, again right right <laughs> or another one which i think it kind of um adds to this belief is to forgive is human no to uh to err is human to forgive is design hmm. divine so so there's this there's this there's this noise around what forgiveness is and hmm. why and if we forgive that really means there's going to be we're just going to be abused some more and and when i talk to people i say well forgiveness and boundaries are mutually exclusive hmm. if if you if you if you think you're not supposed to have boundaries when you forgive, that's 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 just crazy. Then you're inviting it to come back in. But the other thing I've learned from people that has really, uh, and I haven't heard, I haven't learned anything yet to counter this. And the heart of 
the majority of the people who struggle with forgiving is they can't get past one particular thing. And that is the person should have known better. Uh, so my analogy with this is if, if I walk into a corner store with a two-year-old and we get milk and we walk out and I look down and that, that two-year-old has a whole bunch of gum in their hand <laughs> that they've, they've, you know, cause right in front of them, there it is as sure. you're, all the can all the candy right in front of the counter so it's just perfect to grab and they walk out and you see that you don't accuse that two-year-old of being morally bankrupt you don't say you're a thief you don't say that you are that you know that you are you you've stolen from someone mm -hmm. what do you do to that two-year-old you turn them around you march them back in and you get them to hand the candy back or you pay for what they've eaten right. and you model to them that that's not okay mm. If it was a 16-year-old doing that, though, what would our message be to that 16-year-old? You should have known better. Should have known better. Right. So, so all the and I'm going to I'm going to introduce a very um, hot topic or a very uh, uh, I forget what the word is that uh, that could be very uh, polarizing. Polarizing, but if we look at you know all the what we saw with the catholic church in this country mm -hmm. just in canada alone and the residential schools and all the abuse at the back of it the betrayal because that's what all pretty much all lack of forgiveness is 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 a form of betrayal mm -hmm. is the fact that we thought the priest should have done but known better we believe that they should have you know the, you know i i when when we discovered how many how many people we're starting to figure out how many people died in residential school. Mm. I was actually very disturbed by that because of the fact is, is that at the fundamental belief is I believe that the Catholic church should have known better. And well, so, so yeah, but the church is so a human when, institution. Right. Absolutely. So, so when we, when we think someone had the capacity to not do that that's where that's why we hold on to things and that's why we 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 have a hard time forgiving cuz they should have known better isn't that fascinating we're we're holding others to this higher standard and we we ourselves can't hold ourselves to that same high standard and say well okay they didn't know better right so why why I think yeah why why do i have to live in this prison I think it's human nature to expect that doctors are not going to smoke <laughs> anymore. Bankers, bankers know how to balance a checkbook. Sure. Mm. And English professors know how to write good prose. Right. So, or that, or that you as a, someone who's into forgiveness can, can practice forgiveness at the drop of a hat. Exactly. Exactly. I have a, I have a, uh, one of my sisters is a psychiatric nurse and um she is uh or she was a psychiatric nurse she was she was uh she's uh, def uh retired now and and uh when when people would find out about the conflictual relationship she had with our mother mm. they would go well you're a psychiatric nurse you should be able to rise above this and and <laughs> she had a great statement that i've used on many occasions and that is i I accept the fact my humanity. I never said that I wasn't. I didn't have my humanity that I had to come over, and I and I I resi I reserve the fact. I reserve the right to be human. I reserve the right to make mistakes. I reserve the right to not have it all together, 
And because there's this expectation that she should, under her profession, should know better. And you and I know that there are a lot of per- people out there who have a profession who do not do really <laughs> well at it, right? Sure. Or so. Right. I reserve the right to be human. Yeah. See, there's there's also a certain as much as we can talk about a better life and all these things we can do. There is there also does have to be an acceptance of your limitations. Not that you hold limiting beliefs, but that, or even that you wouldn't crucify yourself for when you do fall short. Well, th- that not acceptance of limitations is back to the realm of the ego that basically says that life should be a certain way and look at look at certain things. Sure. And it's also we don't want to use that as a way of limiting where we can believe we're limiting what we can do. Mm-hmm. But there is that kind of pragmatic you know, reality of this is, this is the way the world works. or this is my capacity on that. And, you know, we, if we, if we are, uh, if we're not rooted in reality, then we are, we're going to be equally tortured also. All right. Well, thank you for watching and listening to part one of my conversation with Luke Bouchard. I hope you found Luke's tips about uh, writing down your gratitudes, writing down your dark thoughts, you know, putting time into yourself for self-love and self-care and making it a process of becoming. I hope you found those tips useful. I hope you can put them to work in your own life and begin that process of training the ego to let go, of not needing to control everything we see around us and, uh, and ultimately learning to practice forgiveness, forgiveness of the self first and foremost. And there's plenty more of this sort of talk uh, with Luke coming up in the second part of our conversation next week. So please stay tuned for that. And until I speak with you again, please remember that better is possible.